All right, y'all. Training camp is among us. It already started, basically. It's, you know, some more. It's crazy how we had such a quiet offseason, of course, because of, um, you know, people were speculating about the Kevin Durant Curry situation. So a lot of movements didn't happen. The Lakers didn't necessarily agree to anything. But we get to training camp, and you see you need to start filling out your roster a bit more. And that's when some of those veteran players start getting signed. I don't know. One um, that was recently signed was Blake Griffin, especially after um, Danilo Gallinari for the Boston Celtics. Excuse me, Boston Celtics signed Blake. Griffin as kind of a replacement for the Danilo Gallinari injury. I don't know if he exactly is the replacement they're looking for. I've never seen, you know, Blake Griffin as a three-point shooter because that's what Gallinari was going to be. But they needed another. They needed another big body. Maybe he has a little bit more in him. But I always found it funny. Just um, my last thought on the frail. The Celtics find these players 6'10", 6'6", 6'6", and they stick with them. At some point on, at some point in the game, it's gonna be four players that's six eight out there. All right. I think they got Blake because uh, I saw some stuff uh, like kind of trying to replace Robert Williams. Since of course he's gonna be out early in the season with that knee injury that he got. And like I said, they get Gallinari. He's out for the whole year. What was weird to me was that Blake got a fully guaranteed contract. Uh, that was kind of weird to me. Uh, but I don't think this does much for Boston, honestly. Blake, I, you know, he got in that playoff, that last playoff game, I think it was, for Brooklyn. And he, Blake's going to play hard. Obviously, he got some veteran leadership. He's been around the league for a while now, and he's a good locker room guy. But I don't think he provides nothing for Boston on the court. I think they would have been, if they needed a big body, I thought, Dwight Howard would have been better suited there. Maybe even uh, I think Whiteside is a free agent. If you want a, a big, right. um, and then if you was looking to replace the four, I, you know I thought Carmelo could have been a good option there. But salute to Blake for getting that check. Uh, but I don't think he's gonna see the court for no, real. No, sure. And just you know, I'm John W. Fresh X. And we are the Hoopers. This is the Hoopers pod. And just real quick, I know with Melo, I did see a quote come out the other day saying that. Um, He's probably going to you know, not get signed until about middle of the season, all-star break, close to, you know, five playoff team, contending team, which doesn't really make sense to me. Like, I would rather have him in training camp now. He's ready to go. He's going to be ready to go whenever he gets signed. But I'd rather, you know, already build that chemistry with the team, not learn the playbook offensively, defensively. Your rotation already set with him in there. And he can be in game shape from day one as well. So it's like you're not trying to rush him into your lineup or however you may need him. Yeah, it's definitely looking like if Melo gets a job this year, it will be on kind of like some replacement emergency type of thing. I honestly think this is probably because Melo might just choose not to play too. He might got options, but it don't make sense for him. He don't really go there. So it, it could be the end. I, I don't think he want to retire this way. So I would be surprised if he plays somewhere so he can retire on the court. But uh, I think this just going to show if, if you know, the opposite. Because remember, he, he went to Portland kind of on an emergency there. And then it was already a relationship with Dame and CJ. And they had been tied for a while. And so... You know, Portland made sense. And then with the Lakers, we all know his relationship with LeBron. Um, and I even think him and Palenka might got, got some type of relationship because of uh, Kobe, R.P. to Kobe. I know Palenka wasn't his agent or anything like that, but that was Kobe's agent, and they worked out together and stuff like that. But 
it might be the end for Carmelo. I, I hope he gets the opportunity somewhere. Like, I think it's teams that he could help. Um, I, I thought that he initially fit back with the Lakers. Um, I thought he could have helped Philly. Um, I like him. In, I still like him in Miami. Um, I like him in Milwaukee. I like him on Denver, Milwaukee, uh, Dallas, potentially. So, there's some places, I think, where Carmelo could help. But, you know, I don't know if he uh, – just might be the end for Carmelo. Nah, yeah, like you know, so there's a few teams that can help, even if it's just to push them out, maybe get to the playoffs, the second round advance a little bit in the playoffs, or maybe you find you know helps a team, you know comes in and helps a team get to the championship or whatnot. But yeah. like I say, regardless, I think this might be Melo's last year if he plays somebody at the beginning of the season or in the middle of the season. I would like to see him go out on as a basketball player. I would like to see him go out on the court kind of like on his own terms, whereas to like you alluded to, you know, earlier, off, you know, when we were just talking about this earlier, if it wasn't for, you know, that relationship with Dame and CJ, he probably wouldn't have got that opportunity to get back in the league in the first place. So yep. hopefully he gets, you know, gets to go out on his own terms. I think, he, I think he ends up in Miami or Phoenix at the end because the, both of those teams have lost fours potentially Jay Crowder should be getting traded soon from Phoenix and, right. and PJ Tucker left from Miami um, and I think those are destinations he wouldn't mind going to two teams that are going to kind of compete he got a relationship with Chris Paul as far as Phoenix goes um, he's just always kind of been tied to Miami because of the location and stuff like that but I think those would be two good opportunities uh, for Carmelo so those are the only two teams that I can really see him maybe ending up to. So we'll see what happens. So. Nah, yeah, for sure. Speaking of, you know, one of those players, PJ Tucker, going leaving Miami and going to Philly. Doc Rivers was quoted the other day saying, you know, he sees PJ Tucker more as a three than a four, which realistically PJ Tucker is a three, if you think about it. But because of how he plays basketball in the NBA and just for fit and style reasons, he plays more at the four, just as a defender, just to be on the court. He's usually on the court with another three that's more skilled offensively so we, we want him out there as, off, as a defender and a shooter but they've been running different lines and ups it sound like you know they, when they do have him and you know, PJ Tucker and Tobias Harris out there sound like Tobias Harris is at the fourth for the most part but they switch from they switch back and forth depending who's on the court last time the uh, Philly tried Tobias Harris at the three of course was the year they brought in Al Horford to go in the starting to be in the starting front court with Joel Embiid and that didn't necessarily go the way they would like because Tobias Harris even though he has the skill set forward he's played the NBA powerful position for so long I just don't think it's natural to him do you think that could be one of those things that's like a hindrance to Philly this year they're trying to fit a lot of stuff in at one time and just maybe it doesn't mesh well but maybe it could mesh well I honestly think the P.J. Tucker at the three comment isn't too crazy, especially with how Philly plays. Right. Because you're not expecting him to handle the ball a lot, kind of like Thibault. He's just going to be in the corner anyway, mm-hmm. and then he can guard the three or the four. You know what I mean? Then you cut to the middle with some of those, you know, pick and rolls and get some middle plays and right. stuff like that. So and Tobias does fit better at the four because he's quicker than a lot of fours. You know, he got good length pause and he can, uh, you know, he can shoot, especially the corner threes or whatever. You can get him in open, you know, I mean, some open space. So when when you first hear it, it's because he PJ's been playing a four the last couple of years. And I even remember he played five uh, with Houston. 
um, when they went super small. All right. Um, so, but I think it makes sense because you can. He's essentially gonna be a better, especially in the corner, a better shooting version. Matisse Thibel. Thibel is a more talented defender because he's younger. But PJ Tucker, we don't got a question the defender he is. Obviously, nah, for sure. he, he guards the best in the NBA Finals. So it it honestly fits, and I think Philly. It depends on what they're gonna get out of that bench. Health, aggression from James Harden, growth from Tyrese Maxey, and how and and making sure that Tobias doesn't get lost in this all too. Because on paper, like Philly has a, they have one of the better starting fives in the league. When you go James, Tyrese, (laughs) Pat, uh, I mean excuse me, James, Tyrese, PJ. Tobias and B, that's just a start five, and then it's solid to have T. Stable is an All NBA defender. You know he's an athletic player, and then if you can get him to knock down some shots, that you know even if it's just one or two shots, that gets lethal. I like DeAnthony Melton. I think there's a good chance for him to prove how valuable he could be. Um, as a backup point guard because they're going to need some big minutes out of him. But it's like, where did they get their shooting from? Um, I believe Cork Myers is back. Uh, I believe Cork Myers is back and then you got uh, George's name. But you need them to be consistent. I personally am not the... I I personally don't hate Doc like everybody else. I I understand the lore of Doc. I understand what he does great. I understand why he is the head coach that he is. Former player, former point guard. He connects well with players. Strong, black man, all that type of stuff. He's relatable. And and though Doc has his faults, I think he's a cool guy. So I I got respect for Doc. I think Philly has a ceiling of making the NBA Finals this year. But I'm really putting it on Joel to get to the Conference Finals because I honestly think he could be the best player in the NBA. And I say that he is. he has the talent to be the best player in the NBA. And all that's left for him to do is not even – I know some people think all that's left for him to do is win the MVP. If they're winning, he'll get the MVP. It'll, it'll happen. If they're winning and he's healthy, the MVP will come. It's left for him to get to the conference finals and then on to the NBA finals. So, um, I think Philly is going to have a good season, but definitely wouldn't be surprised to see if they're looking for – a player that they can oh I'm sorry and they added Trez I like adding yeah, Trez to this team right, sure. offensively that's a back he's probably gonna play backup center so your backup center is a scorer kind of like your starting center I hope he play big on the boards because they can get Trez to average you know 8-9 rebounds he'd be back in that 6 man of the year conversation but we, we I mean, we've seen him average 16 off the bench nah, so, for sure. For um, sure. but yeah I like I like what Philly got going nah, on yeah. honestly but they gotta they gotta prove it you know that's what catch out to care. <laughs> he 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 doesn't believe in Philly at all, and I understand why he feels that way because you know they've been pump faking for a while. Now, for sure. And just real quick before we um, switch topics, PJ Tucker in Miami. I know you know we always think of PJ Tucker as a shooter and a fan, but Miami last year a lot of times he would be the kind of connecting glue in that offense a lot with those um, picking with those hand with those handoffs a lot and mm-hmm. just and just swinging the ball because he's a veteran player so he's gonna understand that and he's I think he's gonna help Joel and B get into some better offensive situations especially as a shooter so crazy times in the NBA um, rule changes are finally happening um, we didn't speak on this last episode but they are putting the end to the take foul. Yeah, take foul. The intentional yeah. foul. Yeah, the inten- yeah, intentional foul. They, 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 they <laughs> call it the take yeah, foul. Yeah, one, one, one free throw plus the ball. There was some other rules that was – there was some other rule changes. I don't remember them all, but That's I remember this the most one. significant one. Right. And when you think about it, like you say, this is something that could have been stopped a long time ago because they could have just called an intentional foul on it. But now that it's in the, it's in the rule book – 
it has you know it's a violation now do you think that still cuts down on how often they you know teams do it because a lot of times maybe we just go foul somebody that's not a good shooter like right. a lot of teams not gonna care about that one free throw in possession well do do they get to pick who shoots or is it who gets uh, I think it's just who gets fouled okay um and if that's the case, then that probably could be a strategy. But I think t- these are the best players and coaches in the world. I think player, they will adjust. Um, and it's the right move to make. Um, I get strategically why people stop foul sometimes. and But it, it's, it sucks to slow down the game that way. It's ugly to watch. And at the end of the day, you're stopping somebody's fast break. So, And it, it got to a point where sometimes it was necessary, but it got to a point where teams were doing it just because. Even if they had numbers back, they could get their defense set up. They still were doing it literally just to stop the flow. So it was the right thing to do to make that call. Sure. And it kind of sucks at the same time because when it does happen, I don't want it to be like a free throw contest or right. whatever. You obviously don't want that to happen. Um, and then I also – Exactly how is it going to be called Because there are going to be times where You know I, I do it a lot When we play pickup or even in my In my uh, league games Or whatever In the backcourt I might try and go for a steal Real quick you know yeah like you run down court and you try and get a steal And maybe you reach in But I'm actually really making a play on the ball I don't know if I that think, would be a take foul because I'm because is it just being fouled in the backcourt? No, I think you know it's like those grab when you grab them, just grab them, yeah, just grab them, yeah. not even trying like to make them play, play on the ball. Yeah. So if that's the case, that's that's an easy kind of play, but it's the, it was the right thing to do. I, I hate stopping uh, the other team's fast break. Uh, progression, you know what I mean? And some teams were just getting lazy about it. No, nah, yeah, because it was a lot of times where it would be, you know, the defense would have the number, the three-on-two three on defensive advantage, and they would still take a take foul at half court. Like, y'all are yeah. back. And it would be a good defender that would take the take fouls. So it was like now somebody who you probably going to want out there with a, a number of, you know, with the low number of fouls in the fourth quarter. And it's like right. he wasted, a, you know, he done wasted a foul already. He'd mess around and got two other fouls in the second and third quarter quarter and then you got three fouls going to the fourth and not thinking that he done took another take foul. I think somebody fouled out on a take foul last exactly. year. Like I can't I can't remember who it was, but I know Danny Green one game put himself in the penalty on a take foul and it's and it's always like it's a you know somebody who's considered a better defender in the league that you see taking on one of the better players like Yeah everybody oh. started doing but I'm not for using <laughs> fouls as part of your strategy at all. No, yeah. Even even at the, the end of the game shack, when it's like a, if it's a a two point game or three point game whatever it is and they'll say you should foul them. I think even if teams started doing that too much like they if that actually really really became a thing, I think they would even eliminate that because you don't with the game isn't going to be made around fouls being a part of You mean if you win it, right? Or Yeah, you know like when a team is up and they yeah, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah, you yeah. you're up too and they like you should foul so then they go to the line or whatever so they can't hit a three and stuff like that you you hear a lot of people say that nowadays to, to, to take the foul yeah no, like, yeah, even yeah. if that started happening too much they would uh, change that change the rule where you couldn't do that no, I would, I would change, being a part I would change of that to you fouls being a part of your strategy is not basketball just uh, hack a shack 
fouling to make them get two free throws, fouling in the backcourt to stop a fast break, it's all weak basketball. Nah, it's yeah. not, that's not basketball. I'm, I'm that guy. No, no, no. That's not basketball. That's the only thing I'm like that about. No, nah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's not necessarily the best that, strategy that ain't basketball. for it. Any situation. That's what everybody say though. You be, it's be, you could be up too, and they got the ball, taking it out at half. Where everybody say, "Would you foul it?" And they're like, "I will foul." Then they can't get a three. Man, such a defense to play. <laughs> that's, what they get paid, that's what they get paid to do, right? Yeah, we not fouling. Say. So, of course, we with the success of the Cleveland Cavaliers last year, as a young team. Of course, the in professional sports, the best thing you can do if you can't really think of anything for your team at the moment is just kind of copy and manipulate what you see. And like I said, Cleveland as a young team last year, without a lot of expectations, they came in and they kind of ran their team. They, they ran lineups a little differently than what you have been seeing in the NBA over the past five to six seasons, maybe even ten, where they started a lot of, we'll start a lineup with three big men and two small guards, all seven-footers, Laurie Markin. Um, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen last year for Cleveland. Now, Laurie Markkinen is gone. I'm guessing Kevin Love is probably going to be in that starting three spot. Well, it's probably go- my bad, Isaac Okoro. My bad, Isaac Okoro. Yeah, he's going to be Isaac Okoro. But Don't this, they got Karras? I think they're going to bring Karras off. The, I will bring Karras off the bench. I think that's what Karras is. I think that's what Karras has always been. But. This year in Orlando, like I said, we're going to see some emulations of it, whether it's for offensive or defensive purposes, or maybe some teams can go offensive defensively with it. But the Orlando Magic have been said to be running some three big man lineups with Paolo Banchero, um, Bo Bo, and what's my guy's name, Wendell Carter. And when you first hear it, of course, you're going to like this Orlando Magic, what are they doing? They don't know what they're doing, especially after you hear about the Markel Fultz injury. But realistically, when you think about it, I don't think that Orlando doing that is such a bad thing because you're just trying to figure some stuff out where people are going to go. It's not like saying this is going to be our starting lineup or this is going to be an actual thing. This is just what they've been running in training camp. But I've always said, I, I don't know if you noticed it, but I think Paolo got some skills to play three for the moment when the card is still a natural four, Bowl Bowl is your five. But how it sounded, they've been saying Bowl Bowl is the best shooter out of them. And you've been saying that he kind of, you know, if you're going to play Bowl Bowl, it's probably what it's going to be on the Wouldn't perimeter. Probably more likely be the five. Yeah, then. Bowl Bowl would really kind of probably be the three or the four. When I hear that lineup, I understand the idea of it. I don't think Bowl Bowl is good enough to be a starter in the NBA right now. I really don't even know if he's an NBA player. So I, I get the idea of it. And that must mean he's taking a he's taking a really big step if that's what they're thinking about it, rolling out there for the starting lineup. I would have brought back. I get the idea of playing Paolo more at a four, but I, if I, I would have ran that lineup honestly with with Mo Bamba, um, but they didn't. I don't believe they brought Mo Bamba back uh, to the team. But we're we're gonna get into the era now because uh, everything is more perimeter based. You're gonna see a lot more wing players that have length like Bow Bow, like Laurie Marketing, because Laurie can play the four, but he's really more of a three four than speaking of Laurie Marketing from Cleveland when he's in Cleveland. He's really more of a three four than he is a four five. And even though teams are getting into this positionless basketball, some players still just don't fit in certain places, certain positions. Laurie Marketing still just don't fit as a center. I don't think Bow would fit as a center, but when you got these players that are talented and can you can split. They can space out the floor. You can find space for them everywhere because Paolo can play mid-range 
I'm sure he's working working on his post game now. Um, but mid range post game and and to the three. While Wendell Carter's more inside, I, I know he he probably can hit some threes here or there, but he's gonna work in the post to maybe like the free throw line. Yeah, Bowles on the perimeter, honestly. From he's mid range to the three. So I get why they think it could work. My only question is that means Bobo must have gotten really good because since the bubble he hasn't looked like an NBA player. And that's that's absolutely a fair question to ask because between that and he's been injured a lot. And so yep. we really don't know what type of NBA player he's gonna be. That's a fact too. But I think it's something there. Like I, said, I think this is going to be something we see from a lot of a lot of young teams, especially those ones that just kind of throwing things at the dartboard, hoping something stick. I don't know who else is going to try because I can't think of anybody else who has the you know three big men that's that skill like that. Maybe OKC once um, Check comes back, maybe Houston because I know a lot of people in the offseason was saying Jabari Smith has some talents to play the three. They, <laughs> After seeing him in summer league, I, I thought that. He's more of a four or five. You know, four he's, more five. Of a, he's more of a powerful word center. Mm. But I can see where he expands his game and he can play the three because he got that, that Sharif in him. Right. Sharif Abdul Rahim. But but I even think Sharif would be more of a four or five than a four or three. Um but you we can see it in Houston potentially. Nah, for sure. Like I said, it's just gonna, I think this is just going to be something we see a lot of young teams try to emulate just to see what matches together. Hey, or what Mo kind Obama of, is still there. He's still there? He's still there. Yeah, um, I remember he was a free yeah. agent. Well, I'll run with Mo Obama because he, sp- he also came into the league being able to expect to spread the floor as a shooter. Mm-hmm. And I think you still have the defensive capabilities with him out there. That Because, like I said, on offense, they're definitely probably going to keep ball ball on the perimeter. But then defensively, he's definitely going to be asked to be a help side defender at the rim. And I feel like Mo Obama probably could have did those same things. But like I said, this is just going to be something that a lot of young teams try to emulate. I know even just real quick before we change subjects up, Terrence Ross was quoted as saying Bo Bo is like something they've never seen before. He's crazy like that on the court. I don't know, you know, what Bo like, but Bo Bo has had that expectate expectational potential like he was supposed to be this long kid no homo who could come and dribble the ball and shoot and pass and just be a freak type of athlete basketball player and like say between Andrew and just not showing that talent skill level as up to this point in his career we just don't know what type of player he's gonna be right so training camp did you watch the Japan games over the was Thursday Friday I think I've seen some of the highlights, but I missed the games. I had planned on watching it because remember it came, it came on at seven. Six, yeah, uh, six, yeah, six, six seven in the morning. Six thirty-seven yeah. in the morning. <clears throat> so I was gonna watch it, but I, I missed it. I know the first game was to uh, Golden State and the I've Wizards. The I forgot who the second game was, but James Wiseman got on the court. He looked pretty good out there, especially running some pick and roll stuff where he can be the role man and catch the ball close to the rim and whatnot. But that's not the important part I want to talk about. I know we talked about this on Twitter. And it's like, could you just imagine that being, like, a regular NBA schedule, like AAU's format, like first team at seven, next team at ten, the next team after that at one? Do you think fans would be accepting of that? NBA players probably wouldn't want to do it. But do you think fans would be with that style of schedule format? Honestly, especially with yeah. real quick, especially you, on weekend games, but and with Adam Silver wanting to add this tournament and maybe international games at some point, do you? I feel like that's 
exactly how that schedule will work with that. With yeah, especially like, like the, the. I think it'll definitely be more enthusiasts, die, quote unquote, diehards over quote unquote casuals that will watch it. But I definitely think it'll be a market for people that will watch those games in the morning. Because I know I will watch it. Something that I'm like watching when I first get to work or something like like that on the way to work. And I can listen to the game, or you know, what I mean, have it on my phone while I'm driving or whatever. Right. I definitely would. Uh, I, I definitely would do it. Nah, yeah. But speaking of Golden State, ES, um, ESPN wins predictor was out for both conferences. They had Golden State finishing, I think, forty-two wins, mm-hmm. like eighth place, basically. And of course, you know, it's just ESPN predicting, and who knows how the season's gonna go. But coming off a of championship, Steph Curry looking like. Top three player in the league. Klay Thompson is probably going to be fully healthy. Draymond Green is going to be motivated to play again. Jordan Poole. Of course, you don't see Golden State finishing eighth if, every, if they play up to expectations with everybody on their cafe, Andrew Wiggins. But I guess the reverse question is, what is the thinking that only had them around 41, 42 wins? I say, for one, certain players being back. Meaning Duke, the West looking stronger. And believing that, I think it's a thing with Steph. Even though he keeps winning, you don't believe that is is really happening. I, I feel like he's that guy. Like, people don't really believe that the words are that good, that he's that good. And so they kind of are unaccepting of that because they did lose Otto Porter, who they was did. a really key player Absolutely. for them, and they lost uh, GP2. Who was a really important player for them? Yeah. You bring it back a fully healthy Clay, yeah. give or take. Fully healthy Clay, I would say he's, he's he's probably fully healthy now. First full season back. I don't expect him to look like. You know, I, mean, I, I think it's you know you play half a year, you play this full year. I think we see Clay back on his Clay Clay game next year, but this year I still think he plays well, like can contend for an All Star position and things like that but next year I think he just especially if he goes through this year with no injuries he just really takes off but like you say you bring back Clay you bring back Draymond who still you know has a high IQ still at his height defensive priorities right now Jordan Poole you think gets better Wiggins still young he gets better like they brought back the whole team and you add the young guys that should have gotten better um, that saw some minutes, but they didn't play heavy minutes, but they saw some minutes. Kaminga, Moody, you know, it's opportunities for them to play now. And if you add a, a healthy James Wiseman, that just adds another element. It's funny because everyone's going to this smaller ball and because it's positionless, et cetera, et cetera, but it's still such a – everyone's still clamoring to get these big guys that got these skills. Right. They can shoot the ball. They can run the floor. They can be dominant in the paint. And if Wiseman is healthy – he was number two pick. We we've seen the talent. We just he just needs to stay on the floor, honestly, and that just adds another element to the team. So I think it's it's really just disregarding what they're seeing and thinking that the run is over. Maybe they're tired and stuff like that, but right. it's just not believing it because if this was a Kevin Durant led team that just won a championship the way that they did it, or a LeBron led team, or Giannis, they would they probably would be picked to win. 50, 55. They did have games. Milwaukee at 56 wins, I think. They probably, they they would have them winning. They they lost very important players to their team last year. I'm, I'm really happy Otto, in particular, got a championship. Happy Gary Payton, the second was able to get a bag. 
But that's all they lost. <laughs> I mean, I think they lost one they, more. They, oh, um, Juan Toscano Anderson is in LA now. Like, that's all they lost. Like yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they, they won like, the championship, and that's <laughs> all they lost. No, they, they, they really should be favored to be at the top of the West. No, uh, yeah, and I, and I, I think, and I, I'm not picking. Am I picking them at the top of the West? Yeah, probably so. And I definitely get your first point too. It's gonna be players coming yeah, back. Respect so, the auto, big respect to Otto and GP, so. but they lost <laughs> role players. They brought everybody back, and I think they replaced them. I said, and to be fair, they had the Lakers. I think they didn't have the Lakers in the. They didn't predict the Lakers being the player. But I uh, go back to your first point. I do get what you mean. Like there are going to be players. Like, Clippers are going to look different this year with Kawhi yeah, so coming Kawhi, back. Kawhi, Adding John Wall. You expect Memphis to be good, be better. Phoenix, even with Jay Crowder demanding the trade. Like who is Jay Crowder to demand a trade? But whatever. They're so bringing everybody, everybody back. back. So I do get it. I just do feel like it's you know what is the what's the point of the doubt right now with Golden State like at least give them the benefit of the doubt to be a home, to predict them to be a home court team I guess right but just speaking of Golden State and adding in James Wiseman and then hopefully more positive minutes from Kaminga and Moody who Andre Iguodala said there's no reason for them for him to keep yeah, them off the court yeah exactly like, I'm glad he said that <laughs> But what do you expect from Golden State realistically? What do you expect from those young players realistically? In this, I, on I this definitely team? think it's minutes for them because, you, like you say, you lose Otto Porter and GP, too, who basically plays the I mean, position. Otto was playing a lot of four. And even, you know, some of those lineups with Draymond, so pick and choose who you want at the five. But right. th- that's really like some minutes that I feel like Kaminga could get, especially as a top ten pick. And then Moody being more of a wing, not as athletic as as uh, uh, GP2, but still kind of playing the same position where he can get those minutes on the floor. So they, I think that this is the year for them to step up. They both were able to play. They had their inconsistencies in the playoffs, but they was able to play. So having that experience, you know, just makes it easier. And then sure. with all your players coming back healthy, you're around some of the smartest players in the league. They're going to make the game easy for them. So I, I expect Kaminga to – I don't know about Moody. I know some people that are high on Moody. So we'll see how that goes. I think they got a lot when it comes to guard play. He's going to have to be really good defensively, I think. I think that's the key right there, absolutely. But I think it's wide open for Moody to get some minutes, to to get minutes at the four and and uh, really show that it's a future of him and Wiseman up front. All right. All right. So I brought up Cleveland a little while ago, just speaking on the lineup they ran last year. But I want to get into them a little more this year because, of course, they are one of the big trade partners this year. Got trading for Donovan Mitchell. That was for Colin Sexton, Lori Marketing, some picks, a couple trade swaps, a couple pick swaps. Good. You, I guess you can kind of say they traded their big lineup for a more conventional NBA lineup, but I think that big lineup last year gave them a lot of advantages, especially on some big, big passing and defensively. Where do you see this Cleveland team? Because I know it's a lot of mixed reactions and mixed feelings too, because it's still a small guard backcourt with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland both basically being six one, but you do have the uber length up front with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and Isaac Okoro. If at not, if at the minimum he seems to be a high level NBA defender, how do you feel about this Cleveland team after that trade? Well, I feel like Donovan them being small backcourt means nothing really with Donovan Mitchell because he's so uber athletic. It, when you are athletic like him, it doesn't matter. And their front court has such good length pause, even with replacing a seven footer. Even even if you go with Okoro, he's still about what six eight. 
right? Something like that. Six, think, yeah. Between six, six seven and six, six eight. Yeah. Um, and then you still got two seven footers, two players that both could be in a defensive player of the year conversation. I think Cleveland, when healthy last year, they were fighting for home court advantage, and I, I feel like if healthy, they'd be right back in that conversation. I get the the. I get the doubt about Donovan as far as being the best player because we haven't seen him do it yet. To be being the best player on a championship team, uh, uh, not even a championship team, but being the best player to lead a team to the finals right. and even consistently lead a team to the conference finals because he haven't been there yet. Right. But I don't respect people always kind of questioning players that we've seen them have success early in this career, Absolutely. and it's still like the questions of oh, at the minimum in the East. Because the the East is better this year, but Absolutely. he's been competing in the West, getting home court. They had the best record, the, not last season, but the season before that had the best record in the league. And he's leading them averaging twenty five points per game. So, because I, I say that because I've seen some people doubt if they were even like a lock, like some people question if they're a play in team, and I don't think the East is really talented. I don't think it should be a question if they can finish top six. The East is talented, so if you finish seventh, I, I understand it. But it wouldn't shock me to see Cleveland third. No, for sure. And especially year. because if you think about it, um, shout out to Colin Sexton, um, Premier Atlanta native. They did all that without him last year. Right. Like, there was no other true offensive creator on the perimeter outside of Darius Garland scoring or playmaking. And then you had Donovan Mitchell, who's at the minimum, like say, is going to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. And Darius Garland, being one of the point guards of the future, he's got to set Donovan Mitchell up. So now Donovan Mitchell is going to have to take Right. He took 21 shots last year. People act like he took was taking 24, 25 shots. Yeah, and I don't know when points. he became so ball dominant because he played. Mike Conley is a real point guard, yeah. so he's played. It's with Mike, he's played with Mike. You Conley. see, it's like I said, it's because you see the tough shots that he takes, and it's like he does take tough and because shots. he didn't he, pass that, the ball to one particular player. He, he, he so that that, that that definitely blows it up a lot. So you want to see? Because I don't care if you're brought it. I think you've always alluded to this off, you know, when we're not recording. But if I bring you in for this, I'm not a the list. That's what's already there with you. I ain't expecting you to be six, seven assists. Like that's right. not who Donovan Mitchell is. But I expect nah, him to be twenty five a night. Like exactly. And he doesn't even like. And he's pretty efficient. Like I'm. I, Last time I checked, I think he was 35, 36 from the three-point line. What probably was 38. But, no, I don't get those doubts either with right. this team. Even in the East, that has become better and better over the years. Them, I don't yeah. see them struggling to make the playoffs. Now, I will say the next level for him, his growth as a player is and his growth as a playmaker. Right. That's what's going to make him next level elite. Right. But, like, I did see the – like, he's, he's not ball down. He's a shooting guard. He plays like a shooting guard. And shooting guards nowadays do handle the ball a little more. But he, he plays off the ball. He can catch and shoot. He catch one dribble, dunk on your ass. Like, <laughs> he, he, he's that guy. Nah, and I saw, like, Garland – Garland's a true point guard, in my opinion. So I, I really thought that they were a, a good fit, like contenders for best backcourt in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they work. I think what takes them to the next level and them finishing at the top of the East, them being a championship contender, is on their. I think Garland is an all star. I think he's really good. And I think he's a really important piece. But to me, he's their third best player. Garland? I think he's their third best player because I think Evan Mobley. I do. Me and uh, Shadow. He, he, he Kevin Garnett. If he 
figure it all out. Like Francis at Slugger Sports, man, he definitely said, you know, this team is because he he also has him as he has him as a four seed, but that is depending on if he figured second year jump. Right, if he figured it out, he like I can very well see this team where because. Mobley is low key their best player, just talent wise and everything that he got in him and mm. what he that he could be. But but Donovan Mitchell could be like as one A one B best player type right. of thing. He could be their top scorer. Like in a perfect world for me, if Evan Mobley takes the next step and he's in excuse me, all star potential all star contention this year, I see Donovan Mitchell averaging 24-25 a game, you know, three, four assists. I see Evan Mobley, 20 to 23 a game, 9, 10 rebounds, one or two blocks, and then Garland is right there in the 17. To like, like, I don't think Garland average 25. I like him at 17 to 19, but he'll drop 30 on you if you got to. Just because you average 17 don't mean you ain't going to give people 40 occasionally. Right. It, it happens. But he doesn't he, have to he, do that with that team. Right, but, you have, but he averaged 17 to 20 points per game while averaging 8. To eleven assists per game, um, that. But I think the key in them is Evan Mobley. If he take to the next step, but this is only his second year, so I'm not putting twenty three points per game on him. But if he, the with the the talent that Evan Mobley has, he could average twenty three points this year. Nah, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Cleveland should be one of those teams who's going to be really good all year. And, and I, I'm wondering Mitchell, if I'll be honest, I, I don't know if JB Biggerstaff is a coach. That I see making them elite though. Not That's, because he's a bad coach, but I think just, he's a solid coach. But I don't know if he's elite, an elite coach. And no, it's yeah. just my personal opinion. But I don't got a problem with JB. But I just got to be honest about that. No, yeah, I definitely feel the same way. But I think this team, outside of Evan Mobley, the other thing that this team is gonna be focused on this year is keeping players healthy, especially in that backcourt, because that's what kind of failed them at the end of last year. They just lost so much backcourt scoring and playmaking that by the end of the year, they just weren't the same team anymore, and that was started off early with Colin Sexton, who they could have used just for, you know, to relieve Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. Rondo didn't provide much help. Karis Levert, Levert was okay here and there. You know, shout out to back. I think so, yeah. Shout out to Isaac Okoro. He just wasn't ready offensively last year. But I think this Cleveland team is set for a big year this year. So, like I said, you know, a lot of teams are getting players back who they were missing last year. A lot of teams brought in more talent, you know, better players at better position. I know um, one of those teams is the Clippers bringing in John Wall and also getting Kawhi Leonard back from an injury. I don't know how good this Clipper team can be. Because, of course, since this team has been, you know, Kawhi and Paul George has been there, this team has had all kind of crazy expectations, fair or unfair. That's not the question. But now they bring in John Wall, and I think this is the, you know, they've been kind of missing a point guard. Reggie Jackson, out of Reggie Jackson, the job he did there last year, Luke Kennard and all those players who put in point guard minutes. But do you think John Wall, if healthy, and that maybe not back to all-star John Wall, but just good enough for John Wall, do you think this Clipper team can kind of finally reach some of those expectations? They got to the conference final. Finals two years ago. Do you think they can get back? Yeah, for sure. I definitely don't think John Wall would be all-star John Wall, but I, I personally think he could be starting point guard, really good starting point guard John Wall. But um, I, I saw a tweet yesterday that said that Reggie Jackson has been working with the first unit so yeah. far in training camp, so maybe John Wall is coming off the bench, honestly. Um, but I think the Clippers are primed to have a big year. Health is is their key. You got Paul George and Kawhi healthy. You got an MVP candidate, really two low-key MVP candidates, and two defensive player of the year candidates healthy. 
John Wall, I think I've seen John Wall win in the playoffs. So I, I especially on those Wizards teams early where he he was putting them on his back. So I respect what he can bring to this team and you know, before he got shut down in Houston in, in his comeback season, not even his I'm fully back a year season, his comeback season, he was averaging 18 and whatever that year. I expect him to have some rust this year because he set out some last year. But Some. Right, he set out the whole year last year. But I, I really think that he should be their starting point guard. And I let Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell lead that second unit. Um, but the Clippers should be really good this year. They they have a deep team. I think they they have a deep team, but at the same time, they can cut it off, and you're not worried about playing too many players. And they got players that's gonna play their they're gonna play their role um, with you know Covington hitting threes and playing defense. You can go to Mark uh, Marcus Morris in the second unit. You can go to him and Nor- Norman Powell to bring some offense for this team. And then you know they got. Good utility players, Terrence Mann. Um, I like Xavier Moon. He was able to get some minutes last year uh, because, you know, obviously through the injuries and stuff like that. So Tyron Lue has a coach. Clippers got a good chance to go to the uh, conference finals or the NBA finals at that. No, yeah, for sure. And like I say, of course, it all depends on the health of the team. Like I say, I kind of, y'all seen the same thing already. Jackson running with the first unit. And I get that for me, for for me, and there are reasons, but I can see them at some point working John Wall into that first unit during training camp. Yeah, I, I will go John Wall. Reggie Jackson, I just feel like he fits with it. You, that second unit, you go Reggie, you go especially, especially as the guys score. that led last year, Reggie, Luke Kennard, um, uh, like I said, Marcus Morris, you got Norman Powell. Yeah. That's that's solid off the off the bench. Nah, yeah, for sure. But um you know, other than that, you got anything else for this episode? Um, nah, I feel like that's it for today. Just as always, uh, you know, appreciate the listeners. NBA season gearing up. We had the open practice here for the Hawks the other day. The Hawks look good there and Abby Dobby. They should be playing soon. Um other than that, you know, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, all those cool places. Make sure you subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search the Hoopers Pod. Shout out to the Off the Ball Network. Um, appreciate the listeners everywhere. We're going back worldwide again. We're not going to give you a rundown yet, but, you know, it's coming soon. That's all I got. All right. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Hoopers Pod. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well at the underscore Hoopers Pod. Yep. Other than that, I'm John W. Fresh X. And we are the Hoopers.